0: Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel
1: member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.
2: This is Pete Vecchi, and you are logged on to the Reconciling Grace podcast podcast. I'm joined today by Pastor Don McDonald, known as Pastor Mac, or P-Mac, and by Pastor Josh Kugel. And Josh is the one who's going to be more or less taking the lead on this topic today. It's kind of a part two about pastors and why do pastors quit or fail. And I really had, uh, I don't want to say fun, but I, I really enjoyed the the first part, Josh. So I'm looking forward to this second part. So what have you got for us today?
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. Um, we'll start with, again, why, why do pastors, last time we talked about why pastors may quit, and it's not, most of the time, it's not a moral failing. Um, most of the time, there are so many other issues, and we talked about that. I encourage somebody to go back and listen if they're interested in that, but today I want to talk about the other kind um, the kind we're hesitant to talk about or we you know uh, uh, people maybe like to talk about too much but it's what happens when a pastor falls because of a, a moral issue or some kind of shameful issue I want to talk about it a little bit but I want to talk about from a perspective a perspective and it's really the perspective of divided loyalty and and just to ask if this plays into it At the end of Hebrews the writer is giving some practical, Kind of guidelines, he's concluding the, the book. He's giving some guidelines, and, and those guidelines include information on how to love others in your community of faith. So, how to love others in the church, how to love other believers, and also they include some guidelines on developing a strong ethical foundation for all of life. So, he, he, he starts in with this Hebrews 13:5: don't love money, be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, and I love this, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So I think pastors worry about some of the same things other people do. We, we, all, um, we, we all want to be those kind of pastors that are way more spiritual than everybody else. And we do have a high calling and, and a huge responsibility, I think more than other people. But a lot of people look at us and we want to think of this of ourselves, that we're not concerned about the same things that God's going to take care of. But I think a lot of pastors worry about money. You guys agree with that, right? Well, um, worry, I guess uh, the fact,
2: I don't know if worry is the best word, but I do get concerned, concerned, about, concerned, it, concerned when, about it, especially yeah. when uh, you wonder where that next, uh, where that next uh, bill is going to be paid from, you know, when yeah. things happen and you're not, you're not sure where it's going to come from. I've been there throughout
0: my life many times. Yeah. And I, I also think, along with things like money, I think a lot of pastors, and I think maybe that's a better word, word uh, Pete, a lot of pastors are concerned about career advancement. They want to get to the, the big influential position and all of that. They're also concerned about relationships. Um, and sometimes one of the, the secrets about a church is, a, is a, a family can be in turmoil and it'll look perfect to everyone else because mm-hmm. your pastor cannot have problems. Um, can't have marriage problems, can't have kids problems. And so they tend to hide a lot of things and, and put on a brave face and everything. And I think what the writer of Hebrews is doing is he's cautioning those who worry about these things. And, and I, I don't know if he goes so far as concerned about, because I think it's healthy to be concerned about, but specifically who worry about these things and cautioning them to instead of worry about those or as you're worrying about those, trust God rather than seek self-advancement outside of God so today, I, I just want to wonder if this divided loyalty may be a reason that pastors struggle with their calling and, and maybe lead to a place where they're, they're making decisions that are not uh, proper for pastors. I'll just say that. Um, so I want to talk about when this kind of things hap- thing happens. Have either of you guys ever attended a church where the pastor had to step down or to be disciplined because of a moral failing? I have. Um,
2: and the ironic thing was that it was not due to any type of inappropriate relationship. It had to do with something totally different than that. And I'm not going to get into what it was, but I think what I found surprising was that everybody just assumed it had to do with some type of inappropriate relationship
0: and it had absolutely nothing to do with that.
1: Mm.
0: People like to fill in blanks, don't they? Yep.
1: Yeah. I, I, I remember early in my career uh, as a member of classes, which is the ruling body over the local church. You have classes consistories, your ruling body over the local church classes watches over all the consistories slash boards that we did have a minister who had a questionable action towards the opposite sex. And I remember just going through the process of that. uh, of dealing with um that moral failing and it wasn't really clear how much was there or not there but it was a struggle yeah yeah i do remember it well
0: yeah for me i was in college i was an intern at my church um and my pastor and his wife got divorced and the way it happened and everything led to him stepping down and boy you want to fill in blanks um because, uh, I, I don't know, you just want to, and so assumptions are made, uh, he's all of a sudden out of the church life and everything. It was, it was very difficult um, to, to, to be part of that. So how, how prevalent do you think these situations are? Do they happen as much as we hear? Because I know that uh, when bad things happen, we like to make them seem bigger than they are. We like to say, make them seem more widespread than they are. How, how prevalent do you think pastors run into these situations and have to be removed from positions?
1: I don't know in, in my 30 years of being in ministry and sitting in on different, cause I've been clerk for five years. I, I can only think about maybe one or two that were like sort of raised flag, but not. So for me, it hasn't been that prevalent.
0: Okay, good. good.
2: I'm thinking about the fact that even pastors are human. Yeah. And I, I kind of wonder what would happen if every pastor's life was totally an open book to the members of their congregation or to the um, you know district or denomination or whatever. There would undoubtedly be some things that are perfectly um, not moral issues that some people would think are moral issues you know you're you're living you live in such a certain way you know maybe you have a car that's nicer than other people think you should have um yeah. you know little things like that it's it's amazing and i think that a lot of times people expect perfection out of their pastors and yeah. in some ways you know yeah pastors are supposed to be the standard bearers there's no question about it but other times um it's just You know, there are times when I remember one church specifically where I was, it was like there was one person who was like oil and water. No matter
0: what I did, it was wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I wonder sometimes, I I think that, I think there's a very anti-Christian sentiment in society at the moment. And I think they like to paint pastors as being shallow and self-serving and all only concerned with money. And I, in my experience with other pastors, which has been many, 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 many pastors, I find that pastors are generally the most upstanding people I know. Mm -hmm. Um, I I find that many of them are doing it for exactly the right reasons. Many of them routinely sacrifice for other people. And it's, it's a shame that for whatever reasons, whether it's taking down, uh, you know, some, something you disagree with or hurting something that you, you know, uh, you feel like is, I, I don't know, but it's a shame that people have targeted, I think, one of the most one of the most beautiful groups of people in our entire culture, which is pastors. Um, some of them have fallen. Some of them have done some really bad things. I, and maybe that's why. It's because those people who are called to such a high calling have done things that is not worthy of that calling. But I would say that the, the, the far greater percentage of pastors are the kind of people that I would Trust with anything um, that I'm so glad to call my friends and and who are upstanding good people. But you know, I would say to Pete, what you said is you go first and you 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 share all your details first.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, and no, that's the, I'm just that's kidding. the point.
0: No, I know, I know. We, are, that's, people, that's, that's, we, that's we are people, though. That's that's the point that I'm getting
2: at because because I don't care who you are there are going to be things that you do or things that I do that are going to rub people the wrong way. You know, I remember yeah. seeing one time I was visiting a district assembly within our denomination, but from a different district. And I was watching as the district superintendent was talking to somebody um, quietly. And it just looked like this guy was a, 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 a draconian, you know, oh, you yeah, know, like, this is the way it's going to be, and, you know, whatever. And it's like, is that really what a district superintendent's supposed to be like? You know, I remember walking into a, a parsonage, knocking at their door one time, and seeing that a, the pastor was wearing in his own home a a um, what they call it, a t-shirt without the sleeves, a slee- sleeveless t-shirt, and just yeah. walking around like that, where people could see it from the outside. Is that what a pastor should be wearing? And I mean, I was young, young, young at that time yeah. before I was
0: called well, in. Hey- Pete, I had a a friend of mine in our church up in Ohio whose dad was a pastor, and mm-hmm. she told me that when he mowed the lawn, he mowed it in a tie, because he didn't ever <laughs> want to see this. Yeah, he didn't ever want anybody in his church to see that he wasn't dressed up, even when I mean, it's the most ridiculous. Yeah, standards we set for people, or even for ourselves, which he did for himself. But um.
1: But you know I, what? What I keep coming back to, and what I keep thinking about, even Paul had a thorn in the side.
0: Yeah yeah
1: you know he wasn't perfect and and i when i came into danforth especially i made it real clear i ain't perfect yeah i'm a child of an alcoholic i'm child of divorce um you know my my family line it is as bumpy as bumpy can be uh mm-hmm. and yet i believe in grace and i will okay. show you what grace is about and forgiveness yeah. and healing and redeeming love um and for the record, when my dad passed away, I ended up with a 24 foot Baja high performance boat in the driveway. And they were quite gracious, by the way. <laughs> Especially something that yeah. Chevy engine, that most of my people are Chevy lovers. So I was all right considering I drive Fords, but <laughs> oh
0: Hey, let me ask, I've I've heard it said that the calling of a pastor is to die slowly. And uh it, it sounds kind of gloomy, but it, it's really not. What it what it really says is to die slowly to yourself. In the process of being a pastor, um, you die to yourself slowly. So do we struggle with, as we're pastors, do we struggle with laying aside our own desires and career dreams? I hope so.
2: You hope we struggle with it? Yes, because I don't think that any of us fully realizes when we first come into ministry that there are things that we haven't you know, come to grips with. You know, yeah. we believe in the Church of the Nazarene in, in entire sanctification. I believe I gave my entire life to Jesus Christ at a yeah. certain point in time, and he fully sanctified me. But I've had a growing grace and growing knowledge since then. And just about the time I think, hey, I got this, something else comes up.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And I'm on the other side. I'm totally depraved as a good Calvinist. <laughs> 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 so we're always battling You know. <laughs> I, you know, and I don't think when I counsel people and I do a lot of life coaching on the side, as it were, I'm happy when you do have the struggle. Mm. It should be a natural part of the journey because, you know, we live on the sin side of heaven right now. Yeah. Yeah. We're always in that battle. We're always in that. And I, I, I kept thinking, oh. the old is gone, the new has come, that great Corinthians piece, you know, of writing that Paul did, and, and I think in my old age, I would say if you're not struggling, then you're not growing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this. I, most of the pastors with moral failings I've run across have been marital issues, mm-hmm. um, extramarital issues. Um, why, why, why do pastors struggle with that?
2: It's a two way street. I think that Don knows more about this than I do. And I'm not saying that because Don is the, nation, but because he's done so much counseling, you know, yeah. that's, yeah. that's been such a big thing. But one of the things that I've seen, it's a two way street because I've seen where the pastor's spouse has been the one who has basically broken the covenant of marriage. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's not always the pastor yet a pastor is blamed when the pastor doesn't have a perfect family.
0: Yeah.
1: Word is isolation. That you know, sometimes what happens on both sides of the aisle, be it the preacher's wife or the pastor, is you you've somehow become isolated from each other. You know, and the church is the one that sometimes creates that isolation. You give so much to the church mm. that you forget you have other things around you, other people around you to care for and to nurture. Um, I I have a gentleman in the life of the church that was in ministry for quite a while, basically left ministry because his spouse just wasn't supported anymore. Mm. And he had to choose between the church or the spouse and he chose the spouse. So, you know, I, I think when you look at that question, why do you think so many pastors fall into extramarital affairs? Part of it is you isolate yourself so busy doing ministry for the church that you forget you do have a spouse.
0: Yeah. Don't
2: you think also, Don, that there is this aspect of pastors get so mentally and spiritually beaten up and all of a sudden somebody looks at them Mm -hmm. who appreciates them, who seems to quote, get them, unquote. And it just, again, they are human. Everybody needs this, this sense of, 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 wanting to be appreciated, wanting to be loved. And if a pastor is having struggles in their congregation um, and, and especially if there's struggles going on between the pastor and spouse, um, it's just one of those things that can happen. That does not excuse it, but I'm just saying that's just the perfect setup for it.
1: Right. Right. I'm I'm not disagreeing with that at all, Pete. Sure. I think it's on the money. I, you know, it, it, the question that comes to mind is how intentional are you, in maintaining your relationship with your wife and how do you involve her in the process early? If I was giving a young minister, uh, any words of wisdom would be make sure you sit down with your spouse and define their relationship to the church as a husband, wife first. Yeah, Because if you go into it blind, you're going to have unrealistic expectations. If you don't go in ahead of time with this is who I'm going to be my wife made it real clear to this church, and I'm surprised they took us as husband-wife. I am a teacher, I will be a teacher, this is who I am. And I thought, well, there went that call. <laughs> and, and it was like, no, this she's a professional woman. She, you know, comes in with, you know, her degree in special education. And actually the church was quite affirming because more and more women are working outside the home. Yeah. But you have to go into it with a sense of definition clear of what your relationship is between yourself and the church and all the above. Mm -hmm.
0: I had a guy on Twitter um, the other day, found out I'm a pastor. It's not hard because it's part of my handle on Twitter and everything. And um, he said, uh, he tried to nail me down. I I was uh, talking about a topic and he tried to nail me down. He said, let's be honest. You do what you do for money. Right. (laughs) And, and, and in Twitter, you can only respond with so many words and everything. But what really hurts me as a pastor most pastors, if you look at the average salary, are preaching for just above the poverty level. Um, they're not making a ton of money. But then you have uh, a few guys that are making millions and millions and millions of dollars. And, and some even flaunt their wealth as evidence of God's blessing. Um, I'm speaking of one specific one um, who's on his way to becoming the first billionaire uh, in ministry. And he sees it as God blessing him. And so we've got these two perspectives. And and he's more popular, so people see us all under that light. Um and, and, uh, I was just looking at third John, uh, one I wrote to the church about this, but Diotrephes, who loves to be the leader. I, I, I love the wording there who loves to be the leader, who loves to be in charge. Who loves the attention, who loves the power, wow. yeah. um, refuses to have anything to do with us. And I think this about money. I think this about power. I think this about, uh, uh um, sometimes being the pastor is a, a, a big high because, um, you're, you're in charge, or not only that, but you get everybody to listen to you for about 45 minutes every Sunday morning, well, <laughs> and they can't long talk long. back. <laughs> and you preach long. I, yeah, well, I, I'm about 40 minutes, um, <laughs> which I know is too long probably, but do, do you think there are pastors that are doing it for the wrong reason? I, well,
1: I, I'm I, sure I, there are. I keep thinking John eight right now. I don't want to point a finger because I don't want to be judged accordingly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, you have um, compadres you work with that sometimes you do head scratch. Sort of like, okay, are you here for the position or are you, are you here to be a servant? Yeah. You, know, you, you you would say
0: that's, that's probably a minority. Is that fair?
1: I think that's fair, Josh. I really do. I mean, because, uh, you know, I, I got about three or four or five people in my mind where, you know, we just don't get along. And a lot of it is they they enjoy their position of ministry to the point that I'm like, e, are you really enjoying the ministry or are you enjoying being a minister? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, hey, and, um Oh, go ahead, it. go ahead that's a struggle to me you know when i you know when i'm looking over that question you know it's like e yeah i i try not to go there uh, because a lot of it is that's up to between them and god at that point
0: yeah i i wonder if this is something like politics as well too um i think most politicians go into it for the right reasons and then they get involved in the machine and everything else and um, I pastors are way better than politicians. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I at least believe that. But uh, I think sometimes in the middle of doing the job and in the middle of coming into relationships and also the struggles of it, I think some people uh, gravitate towards the wrong decisions and things like that. Have you ever seen a church handle disciplining a pastor well?
2: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that's fair. I think I'd probably agree. I think that's fair.
2: I mean, honestly, it's hard. It is, and I think uh-huh. that there are, there's such a, again, I, I, I tend to want to use the word balance because a pastor is definitely supposed to be the head of the church, the congregation, and is supposed to be the example morally and otherwise, and at the same time, it's like, that's it, you failed, get out of here, and yeah. it's almost like you're not allowed to be human.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah
2: and and that's in some ways unfortunate because it's like well who makes the rules as to which is the unforgivable sin for a pastor you know the bible is full of sins as far as what you should and shouldn't do uh sometimes though it's like you know there's the old joke that says uh where where a pastor was in trouble he says it's too bad that your wife uh didn't get killed instead of you divorcing her, then you could have still been in the, in the ministry or something, Man. you know? And I mean, yeah. that's an old joke. It's a, it's a bad it joke. Is. Not, it is. But it's... Oh,
1: no, Pete. Can I edit that? <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? Put <laughs> <it, it, laughs> a disclaimer, Pete said it, not us.
2: <laughs> that's right. It is, uh... And I mean, but I'm saying that in the way that some people look at it that way. Absolutely. That that yeah. that there are certain things that are worse for a pastor to do. Uh, you know, if a pastor gossips, I guess that's not a good thing. But if the people gossip about the pastor, I guess
0: it's okay. Well, it's concern, know. Pete. You said that word earlier. Right. Yes, <laughs> we're concerned. We, we, we do it in, in love. We share. Hey, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in this next section. But I, I, I think we can all agree that people need to be praying for pastors. And, sure. Uh, and pastors have a huge responsibility. They have a high calling. I think they'll be judged accordingly and all of that stuff. But also, I think we need to pray for pastors because they are not perfect. We've talked about that. And I think pastors struggle. And I think if Jesus was tempted, let's be honest, there's no pastor I've ever known that's anywhere close to Jesus. They're going to be tempted as well. Um, And so I I want to talk about what to do when when a pastor struggles, when a pastor needs to be maybe disciplined or at least held to accountability. How should a church respond when their pastor fails?
1: I think part of this, Josh, is polity because our church polities are so different across the board, Yeah, you know, because in, in the reformed church, you know, usually what would happen is your vice president consistory slash council will call IE the cleric state of clerk and say, Hey, listen, we got a big thing going on here. We need you as a classes that ruling body over the local church to come in yeah. and begin a process okay. of confrontation and a process.
0: Don, if this is one of the good times that it, it, to be in a denomination. Um, you know,
1: and, and I've heard that debate, Josh, well, and, and I think, you know, because I was schooled evangelical free church, so I know what congregational polity looks like, too. So I, I have both yep. in my head. And the strength of the denomination at that point is there are places in this church where I took huge risks, where I could get fired. And and I got that understanding, and and I think knowing I had a group of ministers over me allowed me to make that happen. That I didn't have to worry then about getting fired because I'm technically hired by the classes, yeah, not by the local church. Sure. Um, and so I think when I'm looking at the issue of moral failure within the life of the reformed church, that's you're right, Josh, that's the beauty of being in a denomination, the congregation
0: process laid out.
1: Yep. It's all yeah. clean in the BCO. I've done a book, a church order. I've worked through it a couple of times and, and it, that's where having polity I have to say is right at that point. Sure.
0: Let me, let me ask real quick. This is just a short answer. Do, do you think it's a good idea or that a pastor can be restored to ministry in the chain in the same church he was serving at following a major moral failure
1: e trust can it be re-earned
0: can yeah. i think it says a lot about a church that they would consider that um but man um
1: well josh go back to the the other session we had i was interviewed twice by danforth yeah and to get, to get hired the second time, I learned very quickly, this is a church of grace. This is a church that I want to yeah.
0: serve. Yeah. yeah. So I think back to uh, when Saul was caught by Samuel in sin, and um, this is about sacrifices and everything like that. Saul was less concerned that Samuel saw him in sin, that God saw him in sin, and more concerned with how it looked to the people he was ruling over, the people he was governing. And he talked Samuel into hiding his failure in front of the people and just going along with him for this sacrifice. When you've witnessed a pastor failing, and this could be in public or, or in, in a personal experience, when you've seen it in another church, you know, just through media or whatever, because we're all on Christian media and stuff. That's um, um, Was the church more concerned about God? Or was the church more concerned about the church, um, the church health? Was the church more concerned about the pastor and his health? or was the church more concerned about its reputation to its community and to other churches? Pete, you said we don't do this well. (laughs) Right. Um, I don't know that I've ever
2: really considered it before doing this um, podcast today about those four different answers, but I think that the biggest tendency is to ask about the church's reputation.
0: Mm. Okay. Okay. That just I, I,
2: seems that just seems where where it is right now. Yeah. Um There's very little concern overall. I'm not saying there's none, but there's very little concern overall about the well-being of the pastor. Yeah. I, the, I've seen pastors just
0: kick to the curb, whatever. Think about I'm, the
2: word priest with the Catholic Church right now. I'm not. I'm not in any way trying to condone what has happened or what has been said to have happened in all these years with the Catholic Church, but where is the where is the uh, idea of forgiveness, grace? God has used the word grace a lot today. Um, Not again. You can't condone what has been done, but you know it's the biggest thing. Is what about the church reputation? It seems.
0: Sure. Yeah, I, I think when I've seen it, the the concern has been about God. I think people do ask the right questions, but the practical way it's it's acted out seems to be more about. Uh, church health in the way I've seen it. I think reputation to the community, but I think just making sure everybody keeps coming, making sure everybody's still, you know, okay with everything and and that kind of thing. And I I have a friend of mine who was removed from a physician and um, it was not a moral failing, but it was seen as one. And you got to recognize when you're removed from a position as a pastor, that your entire network of people has just been pulled out from under you and you have no help whatsoever. Now it's easy to feel sorry for somebody in a situation like he was in, because it really was, it was, it was some other events and everything that were happening in his life. But, you know, and it's, it's easy to say, well, if they, you know, cheated on a spouse or something, they deserve it or whatever. But you also have to realize for years and years, they've been building a, a network of prayer support, a network of uh, spiritual accountability that may have failed them in this and all. And it's just all gone all at once. Um, And I don't know, it's just something to think about, but Don, you got anything?
1: I, You know, I think as we move towards closing, I, I I lean in on, like we ended the last one, we need to be in prayer for our pastors and the work they're doing on, you know, living through COVID and all that craziness. And And I also think, you know, we as pastors need to be in prayer for our people.
0: Yeah.
1: That they have... Yeah. Yep. The wisdom that they have the discernment to notice when we're hurting. Sure. When we're, you know, I, I got blessed one time, dear, dear folk. I had in a span of three weeks, five major funerals. Hmm. And by the time I got to the end of the month, I was fried and they knew it. And they looked at me and they looked at my ruling body called consistory and said, He's taking off for a Labor Day weekend. You will not see him for five days. And literally they kicked me out of the church yeah. and they paid for it.
0: That's good. Money. I mountain. didn't know
2: they paid for it. I remember that when that happened, but I didn't know they paid for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: they paid for it. They, they issued a check to consistory and they're like, you're leaving. Goodbye. And, yeah. you know, and, and that was so pinnacle, you know, in caring for me that, you know, we as pastors also have to accept it though. Because sometimes we won't yeah. want to accept it, and that's the hard part.
0: Sure, this is a, a topic for another show, I think. But I think that we we've we've uh, we've allowed sin. We've changed our views on sin because we don't look good in the world. I think the church has, in general, we've we've accepted things that are not godly and all in a way to earn favor with the world. But I, to come back to this topic is there a way that we can look good to the world while, we'll, while we're handling sin within the church? Hmm. And That's specifically, as awesome. we're talking pastoral uh, discipline, pastoral removal, that kind of thing, is there a way we can look good to the world while we're handling sin in the church?
2: I don't know. The I, I had a pastor one time who said that we in the church are really good about taking our wounded soldiers out behind the church and shooting them. (laughs) Um, And of course he meant that figuratively. And I think it's oftentimes more so for the, for the pastors. Um, I don't know how it's ever going to look good because again, the church has the idea or not the church, the world has the idea, especially that pastors are supposed to be perfect. I mean, even to this day, even with the way that language has has devolved to everything is, you know, swear words, this, everything else, even to this day, people will look at me and say, oh, I'm sorry, pastor, that I said that word. Yeah. You know, and but if I say it, forget it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I don't think we're supposed to. Uh, I don't think we're supposed to look to the world for approval when we handle discipline. I think we're supposed to be looking up when we handle discipline, sure. but I do think I do think we should be concerned with whether we do it as graciously as possible um, I think the,
1: the word that keeps coming to my mind with discipline, which is discipleship, which leads into servanthood, is is our discipline showing the very heart of Jesus,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And his redemptive love. I mean,
0: yeah. And I think is, is there a place in that? And this is just extra. Is there a place in there to, to, to create a path to restoration? I know that's not always possible. Um, you I know, don't know. Just something to think about. It's, maybe it's something
1: to think about is, you know, as we deal with the brokenness of the church and and the leaders um, is how do we show the redeeming love of Jesus? I mean, look at Saul to Paul the maca road yeah yeah you know and and i think that's the question you know i i my light one of my living legacies at danforth is we're seen as a church of the island of misfit toys Hmm. why because we know we're not perfect we know we're wounded we know we need that presence of god and that's just as important for the preacher to have as it is for you know the person sure Mm -hmm. hey real
0: quick last question I think we make pastors into idols, um, and I think it, it's just a fair statement. We make them into, obviously, we make them into celebrities. If you look at uh, some of the latest pastors that have struggled nationally, one was the guy from Hillsong, and I think he lived uh, as best friends with Justin Bieber and a bunch of other people. He, he dressed in very fancy things, and um, he obviously lived a life that was a celebrity kind of life. We, we, we buy their books by the millions and all this kind of stuff, um, and it makes sense that we do this, Because we have such a problem in America with consumer Christianity, with people looking for the next best thing and and, and finding, you know, the the way to be most fulfilled in church and everything. And so we do that. We make pastors into idols or celebrities, and then it rocks our world when they fall because they're so important to us. So we, we put them up on such a pedestal. How can we avoid doing this, but at the same time still believe in our pastor and submit to that pastor? Because I think, just, just to, to clarify, I think there's this call to elevate the pastor in your life, but not the same way the world elevates a, an idol or a celebrity or something like that. How, how can we avoid doing that while still some, uh, seeing a pastor as a pastoral authority? I think you
2: need to pray for them, first of all. That's, that's the key. Um, you know, not every pastor is going to do everything right. I think that, and we could get into a whole nother topic here, and I'm not going to try to do that, but um, I think that what we need to also do is remember that the pastor is human, remember that the pastor has has needs, whether they are, um, you know, physical needs, whether they're monetary needs, you know, I, I often said, and this was before I was ever called into ministry, I often said that I wanted to be the pastor's biggest supporter, mm-hmm because, you know, the pastor has a lot to deal with. The pastor has a lot to worry about. I may not always agree, but I want to make sure that I support that pastor. And unless there is something obviously wrong, like, you know, a moral failing or something like that. Um, I want to make sure to, to support the pastor. And I think that's what, what might help us as, as church people, um, but yet, at the same time, not treat them as a celebrity, but to support what they what they say, would support what they do, um, unless there's some type of really something they're doing that's anti-scriptural. Let me put it that way.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, there's way more, Pete. You just talked about it, that we could talk about here, but we're going to end here. I think. I think just again, we need to we need to pray for pastors. Um, and I think I, I had a question about prayer, but. If, if you see a pastor struggling if you see a pastor that um, seems to be uh, just in a bad as, as another pastor as another ministry peer or something what what's our what's our role there
2: I so de- depends what you' go ahead
1: Don I you know my feelings are and maybe it's because I'm the old guy now of the ministers that I work with is not being afraid to make that telephone call, yeah. reach out to, you know, especially, you know, our, we have quite a few ministers in our classes that have young children. Now we've lived through that time of trying to do ministry, trying to be a dad, trying to be, you know, so it's important to reach out and, you know, say, Hey, how are you doing? Are you really doing well? Is there anything we can do for you? I, I really feel prayer and, 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 connection in God answers prayer through those who reach out yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: one of the one of the ways I have been praying uh, I like to say supplementing the Lord's prayer is when I get to the petition um, thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven one of the things I say is thy will be done on earth in your church as it is in heaven mm-hmm. and that I think could also be uh, including the pastors. I'll oftentimes, you know, be praying for you guys. In fact, I pray for you guys in that way. When I'm, when I'm praying that part of the Lord's prayer, I pray for your churches, your congregations. And um, I think that's important because the leaders need prayer. We cannot do it on our own.
1: Amen. Yeah.
0: All right, Pete, you want to take us out.
2: Well, sure. So um, I want to thank everybody for joining us for another episode of Reconciling Grace. I hope that this has been, um, edifying to you. I hope that it's bringing you closer to Jesus Christ because, you know, that's the biggest thing right now. And I hope that if um, you've heard anything about this, know that your pastor is human. Your pastors, if you have a bigger church, are human. And that what we really want most from you all is your prayers, because we truly do want to be doing God's will in our lives and in the lives of the church. So thanks for joining us. Hopefully we'll see you again next time.